But we are looking uh, today at the, uh, the first letter of John. And uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to be going over this epistle written by the Apostle John, one of the disciples of Jesus. And, um, and, and through this, we're, um, I'm going to call this series The Heart of a Hero. Because in this, the, uh, the, uh, the Apostle John is teaching us how to live the heroic life in Christ Jesus. So we're starting today with 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. Listen now to the word of the Lord. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We are going to remain seated during this song. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The writer uh, John Barth once said that every single person by necessity is the hero of his own story. Every single person by necessity is the hero of his own story. Now this it's not vanity to say that. To say that you're the hero of your own story is, is not a vain or proud thing to say. It's just like John Barth mentioned, it's, it's necessity. I mean, who can be the hero of your story but you? And by hero of the story, we mean that's what, who the story is all about, who the story centers around. I mean, because after all, 
You look with your eyes, you think with your mind, you feel with your own heart. All that you experience in life is from your perspective. So if this is the story of your life, which it is, you, by necessity, are the hero. I think this is a great way of, of looking at life because you, you all know that, uh, most of y'all know that I'm a writer. I, I like to tell stories and come up with stories and, and write stories. And it is such a great way of looking at life to say that life is like a story because it really is. And what an epic story it is. I mean, what a great story it is. It's got everything a good story should have. It's got adventures. It's got romance. It's got chases and escapes. It's got true love, there's victory, there's defeat, there's joy, there's grief, there's unexpected twists all the time. Like all the time, something happens that we don't expect and you never know what's going to happen next. And most of all, no one's quite sure how it's going to end. Not just your story, but the whole story. I mean, we've got some hints in the Bible, but, you know, it's cryptic enough that we're not really sure how it's all going to play out. So here we are in life. We have got laid out this perfect story before us. And like any story, we have the heroes. As John Barth said, you are the hero of your own story. You have enemies to overcome. You have the adventure of life to engage in. You've got challenges. And all this time, it could be said that you were on a quest. You were on a sacred journey to discover the treasure at the end. And that treasure at the end is nothing less than salvation, than to see our Savior and to see our God face to face. And what a story that is. What an epic journey that truly is. But if we're going to be successful heroes, then we have to be taught along the way. Every good hero needs a God. Every Luke Skywalker needs a Yoda, right? We can't get by without it. We need someone to guide us, instruct us, a helper along the way. And thankfully, we have a Savior who walked this exact same path and showed us the way to the perfect end to our story. And so that's why we turn to 1 John today. The apostle himself, he was the one that is mentioned in the Bible as the beloved disciple. He also wrote the gospel according to John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. Now, we're very familiar with those two books. We read them quite a lot. The letter of John, it's a tiny little book. It's actually three letters in there, and it's real small. It's easy to miss in the back of the Bible there. But in this first letter to John, he gives us instructions on how we can overcome the world. John gives us instructions of how we can have the heart of a hero. And if we abide by them and if we follow in the footsteps of our Savior, we can see this quest to the very end. And in seeing this quest to the very end, look upon salvation with our own eyes. And truly, truly be the hero of our own story. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not the first person to compare life to the hero's quest. A lot of smarter men have come before me and made the same comparison. Uh, one of the first ones was a psychologist by the name of Carl Jung. 
And what Carl Jung saw when he was studying lots of old myths and fairy tales and folk stories is he saw a lot of symbolism for spiritual life. He said these weren't just a bunch of crazy stories people came up with. They were trying to understand human psychology. They were trying to understand the meaning of life and the purpose of why we're here on earth. And they have some important truths hidden there. Um, the work was continued by one of my favorite authors, who wrote one of my favorite books, a guy named, um, a guy who wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. The author is Joseph Campbell. Fantastic book. And, and what he showed in there, what he said in there, is that the hero quest is the quest for life. That every hero story, every hero story, starting from Odysseus, going all the way to Luke Skywalker, is a symbol for the quest of life. That what the hero searches for is he searches for eternal life. He searches for a salvation. And we find that truth embedded in these traditional stories. Which is why traditional stories are so important. And, and you know, sometimes we get tired of them like, oh, they're cliches. Oh, it's the same thing over and over again. But they're cliches for a reason. Because they're hiding important truths that we need to learn generation after generation after generation about how we live out this quest of life. Now, one of the most important symbols we have in traditional stories is the monster. Now, the monster serves a very specific and very distinct purpose, okay? The monster in the story is not just to be scary, okay? The monster is a symbol for sin and evil. The monster is the one who confronts the hero and the hero has to fight the monster. He has to overcome him and he has to kill him in order for him to complete his quest. That brings me up to Hollywood. I got a real problem with Hollywood today. And I know we all probably have a problem with Hollywood today, right? But this is a problem that's been festering for a long time. And that is they're messing up the hero story. Because if you notice, a lot of movies today, the monsters are good guys. Okay, and they're doing it wrong. The monster's not supposed to be the good guy because the monster is a symbol for sin and evil, and you fight and kill the monster. And I think it started with Shrek. <laughs> now, if y'all seen the movie Shrek, he's an ogre that ends up being a good guy. And I know you're all thinking, oh, Shrek is such a cute movie. No, it's not. It's diabolical. Because <laughs> you don't make friends with monsters. You fight monsters and you kill monsters. That's what you do with monsters. They're monsters. But the worst they've done is how they've messed up vampires. Okay, they have really, really messed up the vampire story. And I know there might be some Twilight fans out there and you're really upset with me, okay? But vampires aren't supposed to sparkle in the sunlight, okay? You're not supposed to be friends with vampires and you're certainly not supposed to have a romantic relationship with a vampire, what you do with a vampire is you drive a stake through his heart. That's what you do with vampires. And I'm not just being a fuddy-duddy, okay? I'm not just being an old man with a, back in my day, the stories were better. They were better. And I'll tell you why. Okay, a vampire is the perfect symbol of human sin. That's what a vampire is. It's a symbol for sin. Now think about this, okay? Think about it for a minute. A vampire drains your life from you, right? What does sin do? Drains life from you. 
Okay? Vampire is an undead creature. What is sin? Sin leads to death. Vampire sleeps in a coffin. Sin is death as well. And if a vampire bites you and doesn't kill you, what happens? You turn into a vampire. Sin can be a contagion as well. It passes from one person to next. If you, if you stay and you stay in that sin long enough, it transforms you into something terrible. And think about this too. What does a vampire hate to look at? Remember? The cross, right? Because that's where sin died, on the cross. So sin can't stand to look at the cross, right? And what kills a vampire quicker than anything else? Sunlight. Sunlight. You expose him to light and he dies. What's the quickest way to kill sin? Expose it to light. Because sin is darkness and it cannot abide in the light. You see, vampires shouldn't be an object of romance because they're creatures of dark. And Scripture tells us we cannot have fellowship with God and have fellowship with the darkness. You can't be in love with sin and walk in the light at the same time. Friends, there is no light without Jesus Christ. And we have no fellowship with Christ unless we walk in the light. Look what he says at uh, John in, chat, in verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, and him is Christ, he's referring to. And we proclaim it to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. God, it says, is light. Right? And, and John, like a lot of writers, like ancient writers, used other symbols. And, and, and darkness and light are some of his most common symbols that the apostle John uses. God, he tells us, is light. And that stands for everything that is good. Goodness, virtue, love, truth, wisdom, hope, life. Everything good you can think of. Everything that good represents is bundled up in this one symbol that he calls light. And what he tells us is that God is light. And, and when we talk about God, we think of him like shining light. But God just doesn't shine light. God is light. Okay, God is goodness. Okay, he doesn't act good. He is good. He is love. He doesn't just love. He is love itself. He doesn't just tell the truth. God is the truth. Light doesn't just come from him. God is the light. And because he's a light, he also tells us there's no darkness in him. And darkness would be everything that is not light, everything that is not good. Lies, deceit, despair, things like that. Sin, death, evil. And it says God is light and in him there is no darkness. Because he is light, because he is goodness, there is nothing in him that is dark at all. There is no hint of deceit. There is no hint of lies. There is no hint of evil. There is no hint of death at all because he is the light. None of these evil things are a part of God. None of these evil dark things are a part of who God is. Now then John goes on to tell us that since God is light... Right? And we strive to have fellowship with God. And I like the word he uses. He uses the word fellowship with God. We will say have, we'll, we'll usually say have a good relationship. If you're in fellowship with someone, you having, you're having a good, good relationship with them. You're on good terms with that person. 
right? And so he says, if we're going to have fellowship with God, if we want to have fellowship with God, and we want to measure how good our fellowship is with God, we can compare that to how much light we have in us. If we have light, we have fellowship with God. If we have darkness, we do not have fellowship with God. This is what he says in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, him being God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we want to have fellowship with God, which we do, I believe all of us here as Christians, that's why we come here is to have fellowship with God. That is how we reach the end of this quest we are on, is to have fellowship with God. We also have to walk in the light. So everything that is God, virtue, love, hope, moral purity, charity, These are the things that are God. These are the things that are of the light. And to have fellowship with God, if we are to have fellowship with God, which is a nearness of God, being on good terms, having that good relationship with God, we have got to walk in this way as well. And the Apostle John, he he leaves no no middle ground here. Okay, he has some very hard words because he says, if you say you have fellowship, but you've got any darkness in you, he says, then you lie. I mean, he's not trying to be soft at all. He's not trying to be gentle with us. He was saying, you lie. If you want fellowship with God, that means you have to walk in the light. If you say you have fellowship with God and you're in the darkness, that means you are lying. You can't have any darkness in us and also have fellowship with God. Because he is all light. And he can't have any darkness at all near him. He can't have any darkness at all with him because he is the light. It's like trying to have a good relationship with God while you're dating a vampire. Doesn't work. Impossible to work. Now at this point, maybe some of you are worried. Somebody here maybe a little bit of afraid. But yeah, maybe I've got some room for improvement in my life. I'm not walking in the light all the way. But I want fellowship with God and I have to walk in the light, which means I've got to be good. And if I'm being honest with myself and I look at my life and I look at the things that I do from a day-to-day, a week-to-week basis, I'm not always walking in the light. In fact, there's a good bit of darkness on me. And this should worry all of us. Everybody should be worried. Every single person here should be a little bit worried because nobody, nobody here can say that they walk perfectly in the light. And if we're not walking perfectly in the light, that means we're bringing some darkness with us. And there can be no darkness in God. There can be no darkness near God. We have good reason to be afraid for how can I be in fellowship with God, which is, that is life and goodness itself. How can I be in fellowship with God if I've got darkness in me? 
So it feels like the whole quest of life is an impossibility. The salvation that we crave, this true life that waits for us at this end of the road is impossible because if there is darkness in us, we cannot have fellowship with our Lord. But our God is gracious, and this is what he gives us. Here in verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this verse should sound familiar to almost everybody here because I say this about every single Sunday before we say our prayer of confession. And that's what the Apostle John is talking about here. He's talking about confession. And there's no mistake that these verses are right here next to each other. It's no mistake at all that John talks about the light in one verse. In the very next verse, he starts talking about confession. Because for us, these are one and the same. Walking in the light and confession of our sins is the same thing. Because all of us are sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And in doing so, all of us carry a bit of that darkness inside of us. And if there is just a shred of dark on us, then we are unworthy of the presence of God. Because He is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So we even make excuses for ourselves. Oh, but my sin's not so bad. I just got a little one. I'm not a big sinner like that person over there. Doesn't matter how small it is. Doesn't matter how small we can say the darkness is in us. If we have any darkness in it, we cannot have that fellowship with God because he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. But all of us in some way have that romance with the vampire even if it's in just in a small way all of us carry that little bit of darkness in us and like that darkness every night comes and drains a little bit of life from us and we've let it fester for long enough then it will truly turn us into something terrible so how do we kill it how do we vanquish the darkness in it in us, it's the same way you kill a vampire. You expose it to the light. You bring it to the light. All the ways that you have fallen short of the glory of God, all the ways that you have sinned, all the ways that you have stumbled in word and in thought and in deed, and you come in complete honesty and you bring it to God. You bring it to the Lord and said, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against you. I have sinned against your law. And I am bringing it all to you. And I'm hiding not a single thing. You take that darkness. And you bring it into the light. Now this is the way that we all became Christians. And no one becomes a Christian except by this way. If you were to be in Christ, you start with confession. Confess, Lord, I am a sinner, and I need the grace of Jesus Christ. 
And in Colossians, Paul tells us that he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his glorious son. And literally, what happened in our spiritual lives? We were in darkness, and in our confession and taking Christ, we are lifted out of that darkness, and we are brought into the light of Jesus Christ. And we did not take ourselves out of darkness. It was all the work of Jesus. And we can't keep ourselves out of darkness. That also is the work of Jesus. And what that means is we stay Christians the same way we became Christians. If you want to remain a Christian, remain in the light, remain in fellowship with God, you do it the exact same way that brought you here in the first place. Confess your sins. Confess your sins, trust Jesus with your life, and then strive to live by faith. Friends, that is how we are brought into the light. And that's how we stay in the light. That is how we embrace this heart of the hero and slay the creatures that try to drag us from the path of salvation and back into darkness again. So we trust Jesus with our life. We trust Jesus with our soul and we give all of our sin to him, trusting that he will destroy it. And that he will give us the righteousness. He will give us the light we can't make on our own. And that's why we confess every Sunday. If you're, any of you are wondering why we have that prayer confession in our bulletin every single Sunday, that is not just for empty tradition. It's because we need it. We need it. That confession is life itself. That confession is everything to us. It is crucial to our faith we can't walk in the light of Christ without it. Now, I know sometimes we do it so often that, you know, we just get in the habit and we just go through the motions. Sometimes we sit there and we have that moment of silence. We're supposed to confess our sins and, and maybe you can't think of anything you've done really that bad this past week. Oh, man, I can't think of anything that bad. What am I going to confess? Or maybe you've even fallen under the illusion that you don't have anything to confess. Well, I would suggest if you can't think of anything, ask God to tell you. Ask God to expose it. Even King David asked the Lord, Lord, show me my secret sin. There's sins I'm committing I don't even know about. If you think you're so awesome, if you think you're so great, compare yourself to God, hold yourself up to that light, and then ask God, do you see anything wrong with me at all? But I'd be careful you might not like the answer that you get. Because we all have to remember that the, there is darkness on us and there is darkness within us. As long as we walk life this side of paradise, we all carry a little bit of that, what John Calvin called just the smoldering ember of sin that still remains in our life. And the worst thing we can do is forget us there. The worst thing we can do is think that we've got it all figured out and that we've got it made. The worst thing we can do is think that we ourselves are righteous and that we ourselves are light. The only thing we can do is 
to remain in the light is continually bring our sins to the Lord. The only way we can remain in fellowship with God is continually and daily trust in the mercy of Jesus Christ and to confess our sins to Him. So I can think of no better way to end this today than for us to confess our sins. For us to search our hearts and minds. To hold our darkness up to the light of God. And to confess our sins together. We're going to do this first in prayerful meditation. And then together as it's printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. And now together, good and holy God, I come to you today and confess my sins before you. I have failed in your commandments and I have faltered in your ways. I have been disobedient to you and to your law. I have not been loving, just, or good. I stand before you broken and lay my faults before you. Hear my cry, O God, and grant me mercy. Forgive me, O God, and set me to your right paths again. Help me turn from darkness and to walk in your light. I trust in your mercy today and thank you for your grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Christ is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have been brought into the light. You have been given fellowship with God. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.